thanks for joining me again. My name is Sandrika and I am the Curly-Headed Chemist. So I'm really more prepared for today's episode because I wanted to help you all prepare for applying for fellowships and grants. So I took a lot of time out to prepare what I was going to say and what I was going to talk about. This episode is specifically about my application for the National Science Foundation's Graduate Research Fellowship Program, but I believe that the steps that I took and the way I outlined my documents could help anyone as they prepare to apply for a fellowship or a grant. Another reason why I want to get this episode out there is because a disproportionate amount of awards like this go to minorities in STEM. Like I said in previous episodes, I've been following the academic chatter on Twitter, and it's just so sad to see our minority students and professionals with such little faith in themselves to get awards like the NSF Graduate Research Fellowship. And to be honest, when I received this award, I had major imposter syndrome. There are always going to be people who are going to say, you got that because you're a minority. But in reality, it's harder to be seen as a minority in this world. I mean, just look at the news and just look at the statistics. Minorities in STEM are still in the single digits when it comes to getting this type of recognition. Many people blame the system and they haven't recognized that there aren't many resources out there for minorities to learn how to prepare to get these types of awards. So that's another reason why I created Curly Headed Chemist. I want this podcast to be a resource for anyone and everyone who is willing to listen. And I'm certainly not all-knowing or right all the time, but I can only share my experience and hope that it helps someone or encourages someone along the way. So on that note, if you haven't checked out my first episode in this series, please check out episode seven. I gave some real good general tips and guidelines that I followed as I prepared my application. Today, I'm going to be a bit more specific and describe how I built my application. Remember, there is no exact formula to this. You are selling yourself. And the way I point out what is important to me and what I've done in my life might not be the way that you go about it. But this episode is only to help you get started. I also suggest doing a lot more research. I read personal statements. I read research proposals. And these were the proposals and statements of past winners. I also read articles on how to prepare. And I consulted with and talked to past winners. So use your resources. Sometimes by actually hearing someone else's story or reading their proposal, you realize what is important to include and what isn't. So just take that opportunity to learn from the people that came before you. I think that it is an important tip, even if you're applying for a grant, 
to get advice and guidance from those who have had success with that particular organization. Also, some programs and program directors may offer you some insight as to what they're looking for in proposals. So really just pay close attention to program solicitations and seminars designed to give you extra guidance because usually those are prepared by these program directors and people that are actually going through the applications and siphoning through them and seeing who the winners are going to be. Today, I'm not going to make any particular documents of mine available to the public, but I will talk about the structure of my application documents and the thought process that I went through as I built my application around this time last year. Let's start with the personal statement. Personal statements are always tricky because you think, or at least I thought, what makes me any different? What is my STEM story? I had to really think about why I wanted to be what I wanted to be. So many people say, I want to be a doctor. Then everyone asks them, well, well, why do you want to be a doctor? And what's the automatic answer? Well, I just want to help people. I hate that. It's super cliche. And yes, it is a genuine answer for most people. But why do you want to help people? What drives you? What motivates you? Why would you want to get up every morning to do that particular job? And honestly, it is okay to not know. It is okay to still be figuring that out, but you have to start exploring those questions to write a compelling personal statement that completely showcases who you are and who you plan to be. Now, a personal statement for a program like the Graduate Research Fellowship Program is not a biographical sketch in the sense of where were you raised, how many siblings do you have, what are your hobbies. Those things are only important if they are a part of your STEM story. Now you might ask, what do I mean by your STEM story? So within a personal statement for the National Science Foundation Graduate Research Fellowship, Reviewers are focused on two things, your intellectual merit and your broader impact. These are your two focus points when it comes to building a strong application for this fellowship. And honestly, I believe they are important for any application. People want to know if you can actually do what you say you can do, which comes from your intellectual merit. And they want to know how that will positively impact society and how you will positively impact society. And that comes from your broader impact. So within your STEM story, you have to get those two things across to whoever is gonna read this personal statement. Now, when framing your personal statement, you can choose to do this however you want. Like I've said, my way is not the right way. It's just one option. I think the way I outlined my statement was helpful to reviewers because I made everything I wanted them to take note of obvious. I began with my personal story, but remember to not be too personal. Just talk about something that 
binds you to your field. For me, I relayed a very personal story about the passing of my father and my choice to become pre-med in undergrad. Now, I obviously did not remain pre-med, but this designation led me into STEM and into research because what medical school doesn't want an inquisitive mind? Actually, for me, which I believe I talked about in my first few episodes, I was told to get involved in research and I expressed interest to a professor who recommended me to work with my undergrad PI later. I also was really interested in getting into research just because I heard research scientists talk about research as if it was a passion and not just a job. So When I was pushed in that direction, I was excited about it, but I didn't really know how to get into it. And so that's where mentors come along and they kind of scoop you up and they lead you in the right direction. Anyways, for the personal statement, I got personal and I expressed how my personal experience shaped my journey thus far. Now, please do not think that this got me the fellowship. It was just the only way I could see starting my story, but I could have written something totally different and less personal, and reviewers still might have recommended me for the fellowship. None of my reviewers talked about my hardship of my father passing, which is what I talked about, so this did not improve my score one bit. For some, talking about that personal of an experience, they might think this would completely drive a reader away. So to each his own, which is why I say do what feels right to you. This background information on me only took up about one paragraph. After that first paragraph, I did not talk about it anymore. So if you choose to talk about something that's really personal, Don't stay on it and sit on it too long. Go ahead and move into your STEM story. Move into your research experience. So you can share whatever you like, whatever describes why you are the researcher you are, whatever really speaks to you. It doesn't have to be long. Let it be short and sweet because what you really want to get down to in the nitty gritty of things is you as a researcher and what you've actually done and what you are going to do. The first couple paragraphs of my personal statement shared my journey into research and how it began. I shared a short summary of my undergraduate project and I followed this with a key statement that I actually underlined to point out to reviewers on how I discovered my passion for research and outreach in STEM. I allowed this statement to kind of segue into my intellectual merit section. And yes, I did label this section with its own separate heading that was bolded. And within this section, I had subsections for each institution where I conducted research. And I started it with the school name and the dates, the year date that I was there. And I italicized that so that it would be a heading for my 
subsection. In these subsections, I used about two paragraphs because I had three institutions that I conducted research at, so I had to include all of those, but I used about two paragraphs to describe the projects, the instruments, the techniques, and those things that I used while I was at that institution. Towards the end, I would provide a broad concluding statement that embodied what the project provided to society. I typically underlined these statements so that they were clear to reviewers and displayed how each of my projects would provide a broader impact. Because remember, the reviewers are looking for your intellectual merit, which I provided through my research experience description, and the broader impacts of your science. Since I applied as a first-year graduate student this go-around, I was more descriptive with my research experience that I have gained in graduate school thus far. The purpose for that is that you want reviewers to be confident in what you are bringing to the table to complete the research proposal that you're going to propose. The first time I applied for this award as an undergraduate, because remember, I have applied twice for this award, the big turnoff for the reviewers was lack of intellectual merit. Now, I don't think that they thought I was dumb or they thought I was unable to work hard because they definitely expressed that there was no denying that I was a strong student just from my CV, from my research experience, and from the recommendation letters that I had. But... When I went back and I read my application materials from the first go around, I realized they were right because I just didn't have the background that I needed to do what I proposed. Now, when I applied this go around, after some time in graduate school and after spending time really developing a project for myself with my PI and honing certain skills, I could confidently say that I could do what I was going to propose because this was going to be my dissertation direction, right? So my personal statement also had to speak for that and it had to just very clearly speak that I have the research experience to do what I say I'm going to do. A big plus for me was that I had two first author papers at the time I applied. One was a review and one was a scientific article. And that scientific article went through so many electrochemical techniques that it was almost like whatever I said I was gonna do, I could figure out because I had the basis. I had already built a foundation. I also had two other papers that I had been a co-author on. So when I talked about these research experiences in that subsection for graduate school, I specifically referenced, and I did some in-text citations, I specifically referenced my papers and where each one of them played a role in my research experience. This gave the reviewers hard evidence of my intellectual merit. 
You may not be able to offer this your first go around at applying, even if you are a first year grad student, but you can still get this award. Just be intentional when describing your research experience. Make sure that it aligns with your research proposal and provides evidence that you, the researcher, can do what you say you're going to do. If you need help figuring out how to do that, talk to your PI. Talk to people in your lab that are more experienced. Because I'm sure at some point, if they haven't applied for this award, they've applied for some grant or other fellowship that also needs you to provide some hard evidence that you can do what you say you're going to do. So far, we have discussed the introduction, which I did not title, the intellectual merit section, which I did title, along with its subsections that I designated by school, And now we're going to discuss the broader impact section, which I also titled. This section was super short and sweet compared to the intellectual merit section. Because remember, within that intellectual merit section, I did have those key underlying sentences that described how the results of my research experiences would impact society or do impact society. So I had already sprinkled some broader impacts of my science throughout. With the broader impact section, my priority was to discuss how I, Sandrika, would impact society as a scientist. Not just through my research results, but also through my aspirations and through my personal desire and want to do outreach in STEM. I use this section to expand on my leadership and mentor experiences. And no, it is not enough to just list, oh, I helped five students. Nope, that's not enough. You've got to really dig down deep and describe how those experiences have shaped you and how those experiences have shaped others. What have you given to society through your science? Also, just express how you want to and would love to shape others through what you've done. Now, I have read my fair share of statements, and writing something like that can be tough, to say the least. Because yes, you are bragging on yourself and your own good deeds and what you've done in your community, but you have to retain some sense of humility and humbleness. Because reviewers are people with feelings, and some of them can read right through you if you're being fake and superficial. So really express your why and what you want out of an experience and what you want others to get out of an experience. And if you can just solely talk about what your research adds and that's what you can speak to with strength, really speak to that. Express what it's going to mean for your research to impact society and express what it's going to mean for your roles in leadership and mentorship how is that going to impact society? Even if it's just as small as 
encouraging others to also go the STEM route and go to grad school. It might seem small to you, but it's big in the grand scheme of things because you're thinking about how you can help and impact others along your journey. In this section, I also included a statement, which was another statement I highlighted by underlining that described how I would use my research results to create a database of information. I say that because this might be something some of you want to think about as you're thinking about how to include a computational component to your application based on this year's program solicitation. I know that's going to be hard for a lot of you, but I would just suggest brainstorming with your PI and your lab members as to how you could do that in a nice fashion that makes sense for specifically what you're doing. It's not going to be easy for everyone, but it does not count out your application. Then finally, I ended with a paragraph that summed up my personal and professional goals and how this fellowship would allow me to pursue those things. Now, this was a ton of information on how I formed my personal statement for my National Science Foundation Graduate Research Fellowship application. And I want the major takeaways to be, number one, tell your STEM story. Not your life story, your STEM story. What got you into research? What were your research experiences? How did those experiences impact you? How did those results impact society? How did those experiences impact the people you mentored, etc.? Tell your STEM story. Number two, be intentional when describing your research experiences. Make sure it clearly and directly aligns with what you say you're going to do in your research proposal. Number three, structure the statement so that reviewers can clearly discern two key aspects of the statement, your intellectual merit and your broader impact. I don't know how much more I can stress that. Read the program solicitation. Read what they mean by intellectual merit and broader impacts. Figure out how your experience, how your research, how your proposal aligns with what they're saying. If you have to, make a list of the ways that you can show intellectual merit or you can show broader impacts before sitting down and writing. You can outline these two aspects within the application in a number of ways, from underlining key points, italicizing them, bolding them, to making sections and subsections. Just be intentional. Don't make the reviewers have to look for these things. They're reading so many applications. If you don't make it clear for them, they're going to miss it. I promise you. I think that's probably why a lot of people are not getting this award because they don't know what to point out and what to make clear to reviewers and how to make those things clear. So I'm telling you guys, Underline, italicize, bold, 
subsections, sections, whatever you need to do, do it. Make it clear. This has become a massive episode. So I am going to wrap it up here, but stay tuned guys and just hold out because the next episode in this series is coming. I know this was only supposed to be a two episode series, but I think three is necessary. Thanks for listening to The Curly-Headed Chemist and join me on the next episode to discuss the research proposal.